0: you've got a Bible near you, open it up to Luke chapter 1. I thought what we'd do today is we're going to give a vision for motherhood from the well, most well-known mother in the Bible, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now relax, moms, relax. We're going to not set the bar so high with Mary, the mother of Jesus, because we're going to find in Mary a connection to our everyday humanity. Because she was a person just like you and like me and had her own struggles and successes and failures. So we're gonna look at kind of three qualities from Mary's life and hopefully be a bridge to our lives today. So backdrop on Luke 1 is this. If you haven't already gotten the notes sheet, um, there's an online host you can direct there. There's a little tab at the bottom of the host screen there that can get you the notes. Um, But in Luke 1, here's a backdrop. Mary is a teenager And the angel had come to visit her to let her know that she's going to give birth to a child, not just any child. She's going to give birth to the Messiah, the long-awaited Redeemer of God's people. But the real kicker in the story was that her fiancé, Joseph, was not going to be the father of this child. So, pause for a moment here. Picture Mary now as a teenager Uh, engaged, excited about planning a wedding, envisioning her future, and God steps in through an angel and says, you're going to be an unwed teenage mother, and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And in that culture at that time, to be um, pregnant as a teenager and unwed would have been a violation of civil law, would have put her under most likely kind of a humiliating public trial. And the laws of that land at that day would have been, she would have been, death by stoning would have been like the end point for her. So just feel the weight of all of that being thrust in there. And here's Mary's response. Luke 1 verse 38. Here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now, it's one thing to say that when you're planning a wedding and envisioning your future with your fiancé. It's another thing when God literally stepped in and interrupted her plans. She went from planning a wedding to giving birth to the Messiah and enduring all of the, what all the unknowns were with being an unwed and pregnant and teenager And so, it's this picture of when God steps in and interrupts our plans, He leads us on an information-as-needed basis. Mary has no idea how this story is going to unfold. She doesn't know what next week, next month, nine months, a few years from now. She can't see where it's all going to go. And man, if if ever there's a year when we've gotten like a graduate degree in interruption, we're all just like 2020 is the year of grand interruption. Do you even remember what your New Year's resolution was in January? Do you remember? It feels like it was years ago. Do you remember like all the plans you had in place for the first five months of this year? Do you, do you remember what any what of that was? And here we are, just kind of each week is just another insertion of an interruption. And I think moms especially here, right, God comes to you in this space of when you become a mother, you're like like PhD level for living a life of interruption, right? There's rarely any space or peace that you can go. There's not a room or a corner of the house where there's not a little voice or a loud voice somewhere crying out, mom, 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 we need you. We can't find this without you. Please come and help, right? And during the quarantine era, I saw some great pictures from some of you moms, like literally some of you went into your driveways, into your cars, and you sat inside your car. I loved it. I was like, yes, that's, the only place you could catch a breath. You live the life of interruption. I love what Dallas Willard said, and I put this in your notes. It's one of my favorite quotes that I've been anchoring on, especially in 2020, when he said, God's address is found at the end of your rope. There's no quicker way to the end of your rope than becoming a parent. When you say yes to parenthood, you realize how desperately in need of God you are. You get to the end of your own skills and abilities. It's just a constant and relentless journey on what Mary displays here in Luke 1. So Luke 1 38, give you two words for, I think, a vision for motherhood out of Mary here. It's servanthood and selflessness. Do you see that for Mary? She says, may it be to me as you have said, Lord, even though I can't see how this is gonna get sorted out. She's living in this space of what we've been calling holy uncertainty, and she's learning God's only going to give her just enough information to take the step that she's in. She's not going to be able to see where the winding road is going to lead. It's this journey of setting down our maps and God wanting us to lean into Him as our guide because He recognizes, right, this space of uncertainty, this soil is where our faith flourishes. Even though we don't really like uncertainty that much, we certainly don't like it in the huge waves we've been enduring, but God, he meets us in this space and this is where he presses in the roots of faith and trust and dependence on him. And so moms, may it be Mother's Day 2020 in this soil of uncertainty. May you join Mary in Luke one this morning and say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And now, second story from Mary's motherhood. Just turn your Bible one page forward, Luke chapter 2. Here's the setting. Jesus is now 12. Mary and Joseph have gotten married, so they're the earthly parents of Jesus. They're in Jerusalem, big crowds, big gathering, and they have the parenting moment where they're looking at each other and say, do you know where Jesus is? No. Do you know where Jesus is? And they lose track of Jesus. Yes, Mary and Joseph, they can't find out where Jesus is. He's 12 at this point. He's kind of wandered off. And it it reminded me of a story when Kalen was two, Lily was six. We were in Disney World. We were at this playground. I, I hear the playground's not there anymore. It's the Honey I Shrunk the Kids playground at Disney. And we have, you know, we have a bunch of people running around, of course, at Disney. And Kendra's at the top of the slide. I'm at the bottom of the slide. And, and Lily and I are down at the bottom. And she sends Kaylin down. And she has the thought that uh, I'm going to stay at the bottom. And I have the thought that she's going to come around. You, you know where the, the scene goes, right? So Lily and I wander off somewhere. Kaylin sweeps down the bottom of the slide. And no parent there. And Kendra finds Lily and I, you know, a minute or two later and says, hey, is Kaylin with you? I'm like, no, I I thought she was with you. And you have that moment, right? Moms, dads, you remember, have you been that moment where you just, the, the blood pressure just immediately rises and the adrenaline and your heart starts racing and you realize you've lost your kid at Disney World, and so, Kendra runs over to the Disney World worker, and they have, like, a gated area around this playground, because I guess we're not the only ones, maybe, that this has happened to. So, the worker, like, closes the gates in the playground, and we're scurrying about the playground, and we, finally, we find Kaylin, and the image. she's two years old. She's standing all by herself. She's got her lip, like, the, and she's got these big crocodile tears, and her lips, like, quivering. She just looking for mom, looking for dad, and we scoop her up, and we hold her. We say, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. We're so sorry. And now, listen, there's still a debate in our house on whose fault it was the day Kendra left Kaylin alone at Disney World. (laughs) Just kidding actually, when I was telling Kendra, I was going to say that story today. She said, I actually need to come up and like round out the story that way. So you can feel free to reach out to her if you want, quote, the rest of the story. But moms and dads, we've all been there, right? That's Mary and Joseph. Can you picture the two of them going like, "Um, what are we going to say like to the angel Gabriel? Like, how are we going to explain this one? We lost the Messiah. We just lost him. (laughs) That makes even Disney World seem a little smaller. And so, there's this dialogue they have, like, whose fault's that going to be? And I think, is this not such a great picture of Mary's motherhood, that even with the best of intentions, and even being the mother of Jesus, she had days where she just didn't measure up. She didn't hit the mark. She didn't always come through. Parents, even at our best, we're going to fall on our face in parenting. I love what one writer said, said, raising teenagers is like nailing jello to a tree. (laughs) Some of you are right in the throes of that, right? Lots of jello flinging off of trees right now. And so that's Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Now, they eventually find him, and Jesus is hanging out with some of the kind of religious leaders, you know, just chatting up theology and stuff, like many 12-year-olds, I guess, would do. But there's this picture, right, of What I want you to see in this one, mom, is if if in Luke 1, you get a picture of Mary with servanthood and selflessness, Luke 2 is this picture of grace. There's grace for you, mom, for you, for yourself, because there are just some days where even with your best of intentions, you're going to fall short. Welcome to being a parent. You're going to get to the end of your rope, and you're going to need grace, and then grace for those under your care. You're going to need grace for your kids. And maybe Mother's Day 2020, for some of you moms, you're in a really tough place because candidly, your kids are breaking your heart. And anybody who steps into parenthood knows at some point, your kids are going to break your heart. And I just want to encourage you, no doubt Mary and Joseph was was breaking all kinds of ways there. We're like, where's Jesus? We can't find Jesus. We're responsible for the Messiah. We can't find him. And then for others of you today, it's, you continue to pray for your prodigal son or daughter. You've raised a child, you've raised him to walk with the Lord and know him. For whatever reason, they've just gone a whole different direction. Your heart is just breaking today. Or maybe it's just a strained relationship, some kind of a fracture there. Or maybe it's just a longing to have the kind of connection with the child that for whatever reason isn't there. And to realize that part of being a parent is kind of living in this space where your heart is going to be broken. And there's grace for those moments. There's grace for you. And there's grace for those under your care. And I came across this poem, Moms, and I I wanted to give it to you. I I left it in your notes because I thought it might be one you want to reflect on during the weeks because so much of motherhood is in the ordinary spaces and in the everydayness of routine in life. And I thought... The way God comes to us in the ordinary and shows us His grace is sufficient. Look at how Pat Schneider, she wrote this poem, The Patience of Ordinary Things. It is a kind of love, is it not? How the cup holds the tea. How the chair stands sturdy and four square. How the floor receives the bottom of shoes or toes. How soles of feet know where they're supposed to be. I've been thinking about the patience of ordinary things. How clothes wait respectfully in closets. And soap dries quietly in the dish. And towels drink the wet from the skin of the back. And the lovely repetition of stairs. And what is more generous than a window? And so moms, maybe today, maybe today it's for you just to take a deep breath, to step back and let God lift up your eyes in the midst of the ordinary and see his grace for you today. Even if your heart is breaking, even if you're having one of those moments where you just never imagined your parenting journey going where it is. And I want to remind you moms that your kids and how they're doing, they're not a verdict on you. I'm going to say that again, moms. Your kids are not a verdict on you as a person. I recognize, moms, of course your heart is so woven tightly to your kids and how they're doing, and when they're flourishing, your heart is happy, and when they're struggling, your heart is hurting. I get it. It hits in a deep place. But moms, hear this, that your identity, your value and your worth is not tied directly to how your kids are or are not doing. That you're a child of God. He loves you, he sees you, he knows you, and he's with you. And it's his word that gets the final verdict on you, not how your kids are doing. So Luke chapter 1, vision for motherhood, we see Mary says, I am your servant, Lord, may it be to me as you have said. It's a vision of selflessness and servanthood. In Luke chapter 2, we see where Mary and Joseph are like, Jesus, where'd Jesus go? In those moments, even with our best intentions, moms, we're going to fall short and we're going to need grace. And his grace is sufficient for you today. Now, before I get into point number three, I thought we'd need another, like, kids' commercial break, right? So if you've tuned out somewhere along the way the message, tune back in. Let's hear some more words of blessing, affirmation from our kiddos. I love my mom because she takes great care of us. My favorite thing about my mom is that she always loves and accepts everyone just as they are. But also, she's really easy to scare. What I love <laughs> most about mom is that when I she cheers me up. What I love most about my mom is that she's always there for me. What I love about my mom, so kind and loving she is and she likes Star Wars. What I love most about my mom is that she's the definition of a kingdom builder. She is such a good example of what it means to be a strong, godly woman. And she is such a boss. She's my mom but also my bestie. What I love most about Angie is that she's always like she's always like there for me if I need something really bad. Like, I, don't know. Like good mom. I love my mom because she's always there for me. Roman? What I love most about mom is she takes, takes care of us, makes best food, and she cleans up. <laughs> And that's it. Oh, great job, kids. Thanks so much for being a part of just blessing moms. I have a feeling the commentary from today's message is going to be, hey, Pastor Eric, why don't you insert kid commercials all through your sermon? That way we can stay even more engaged. But great job, kiddos, in that. All right, third and last point for the morning. We're going to look at the third kind of window into Mary's motherhood, maybe perhaps the toughest window. John chapter 19, here's what it says. Verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. So church, all roads for Mary's parenting, they all led one way. They're all leading to Calvary. They all go to Calvary. Verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, and his mother's sister is there, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, notice Jesus sees his mom at a place of desperation and need, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that's John, he said to his mother, so he speaks out to his mom, dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You see the loving care of a groan, right? There's a groan. Jesus is 33 years old, and here he is enduring the agony of an execution via crucifixion. And moms, can you feel now the weight of what Mary must have felt in her mom heart on this day? She witnessed Jesus get arrested. She witnessed him getting kind of publicly mocked and publicly flogged and beaten and then bloodied and then carrying the cross. And then she watched the Roman soldiers drive the nails and the spikes and thrust the spear. And she's watching Jesus with agony on the cross give up his life. Even though he had tried to prepare her and prepare the disciples, this is where it was going to end. Can you feel, can you just see the volume of tears that had to stream down Mary's face on this day? And so here's your profile, moms, of what it means that once you become a mom, you're a mom till the end. This is a picture of finishing. It's a picture of what it means to be a mom when your children grow up into adulthood. Right, moms? You're like, you're never done being a mom. Like, I I think my mom's listening today, and I I love you, mom, and and I love that you're still so intricately a part of my life. Even though I'm 51 years old, I still look up to you, mom. And I still cherish the times and the conversations we have as a mom and a son. You know, that never changes moms. And so, for some of you, maybe you're really in a tough stretch with your motherhood, here's a vision that maybe there'll be a place, even in a John 19 type space, even if it's in a tough space where you see an adult child having to go through a really hard time, that you're still a mom and you're still there. Notice where Mary is. She's there at Calvary. With Jesus. She doesn't leave him at 33. Man, what a beautiful picture of motherhood that Mary just stayed and she's finishing what she started. Back all the way at the beginning when the angel came to her and said, hey, you're going to give birth to a child. Joseph's not the father. I know it's going to be hard for you to understand. Embrace the uncertainty. Enter into it. No way she could ever envision that it would be this Journey. And yet, here we are today because Mary was the mother that she was. She became a mother at the manger of Jesus. She became a follower at the cross. Right there. Man, everything that she had raised him to walk in and to see him fulfill the will of the Father. What a great picture of a finisher as a mother, a finishing place. And I thought about application for you as moms today. You know, all the things that you as moms give yourself to in caring for your kids and caring for the household so well. You know, at the top of the stack, I think more important than just getting all the laundry done or all the schedules organized or the meals planned, all the stuff. More important than all that, mom, I think the greatest gift you can give your kids is your heart full and fresh with the love of Christ. That's the greatest gift you can give. That moms, the spiritual development, the spiritual care for your own heart, like caring for the reservoir that of love inside of you so you can pour it out on those around you. That's why moms, I want your kids to be able to see you worship God, watch you pray and see you trust Him and see you confess sin and kind of own your own stuff and like, For kids to see their moms just in their everyday humanity of trusting God and loving God and holding on to God and and in 2020 now just navigating all the uncertainty, moms, invite your kids in to see what are you holding on to with Jesus like this? Could it be a John 19 moment right now that above all else, I believe the greatest legacy moms you can give your kids is this, leave them the legacy of loving God unconditionally of just loving Him wholeheartedly and trusting Him relentlessly. That you just do that. You just say, I'm going to give myself to love God just relentlessly. I'm just going to keep pursuing Him and then I'm going to trust Him no matter what. I think if you leave that kind of legacy, I think that's what Mary was doing. From Luke chapter 1 of servanthood and selflessness to Luke chapter 2 when they're losing track of Jesus and they're going to need grace because even when they're giving it their best, they're going to fall short to John 19 and perhaps the toughest moment of her parenting. She stood with her adult son. She no doubt probably knelt and she wept and she watched him finish what he had come to do. And so that's a vision for motherhood, moms, that you would finish the race that the Lord has inserted you into when you became a mom. So Teddy Stoddard was one of those children growing up. When he went to school, the kids really didn't want to hang around Teddy. They didn't like being around him. They thought he was a little awkward. He was kind of on the fringes. He didn't look like all the other kids. He didn't dress like all the other kids. He kind of did a little disheveled, looked like he needed a shower. And so he was to himself. He was withdrawn. And in Miss Thompson's fifth grade class, Teddy Stoddard strolled in. And he didn't do so well in school. And he didn't participate so well. And he didn't get good grades. And Miss Thompson, honestly, she got very frustrated. And she couldn't figure out why Teddy just couldn't get his act together as a fifth grader. But if she would have looked at Teddy's file, she would have read some things about Teddy Stoddard. Here's what she Would have read. In first grade, in his file, the first grade teacher wrote, Teddy's a good boy and shows promise, but he has a poor home situation. The second grade teacher said, Teddy's quiet and withdrawn. His mother is terminally ill. In third grade, the teacher wrote, Teddy is falling behind. His mother died this year. His father is uninvolved. And in fourth grade, the teacher wrote, Teddy is hopelessly backward. His father has moved away. Teddy's living with an aunt. He's deeply troubled. So Christmas comes around, fifth grade. Miss Thompson's kind of class ritual was all the kids would bring in Christmas gifts. And she would kind of gather the class around her at the front. And she'd open every gift in front of the whole class. So that way all the kids could kind of celebrate all the different gifts. And, well, it came to Teddy Stoddard's gift. And he, he brought his in a, like a brown paper sack. had marker kind of written all over. had scotch tape. And Miss Thompson, in that moment, she caught herself. She just decided she's just going to embrace this moment. She rips into this paper sack like it was the best gift she'd ever received. And she pulled out a a rhinestone bracelet where most of the stones were missing. And she slid it on. And she grabbed a jar of perfume. And the perfume was like half, half used up. She just squirted it on herself. And she made such a big deal of it. She went on and opened up the other gifts and Class dismissed, and guess who was the last kid in the room? Teddy Stoddard. Teddy walked shyly up to Miss Thompson's desk, and he said, Miss Thompson, I'm glad you liked the gifts I got you. That bracelet looks really good on you. It's my mom's bracelet, and that perfume, you smelled like my mom the whole class time. And he walked out the door. Miss Thompson just kind of collapsed on her desk. She just uh, she just started weeping, and she thought, Lord, when we get back from Christmas break, I'm gonna do everything I can do to help Teddy started stay in step with the rest of the class. She started spending time with Teddy before school and after school. And by the end of the school year, Teddy caught up with his classmates and off to sixth grade he went. She lost touch with him. And then a letter came in the mail. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm graduating from high school and I'm second in my class. Love Teddy Stoddard. Four years later, another note. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm graduating first in my class. The university has not been easy, but I liked it. Love Teddy Stoddard. And then four years after that, one final note. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know that as of today, I am Theodore J. Stoddard, M.D. Here's a picture. Dr. Stoddard. How about that? He said, I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat because you're the nearest thing to family I've had. Love, Teddy. And so, moms, you're the Miss Thompsons of today, raising up the Teddy Stoddards of tomorrow. And on behalf of all of those under your loving care, we say thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for a vision like Mary. (laughs) A young, unwed, teenage, pregnant mom, what a picture of motherhood she gives us today. She just says, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. And so I pray a blessing of servanthood and selflessness afresh on moms. Maybe there's some moms listening today and you're just at the end of your rope, and I pray that today you'd see how God meets you there. And then maybe there's some other moms listening and you feel like Mary and Luke too, and You just, even with your best of intentions, giving it, working as hard as you can, you're just falling short. And maybe afresh today, you realize how your kids are doing is not a verdict on you. That your identity and value and worth is grounded in who you are in Christ. And that there's grace. There's grace for you. And there's grace for your kids today. And then lastly, maybe it's Mary in John 19. Maybe it's standing at the cross of Calvary and committing afresh today as a mom to finish to stay steadfast and immovable and finish what God, what God has started in you as a mother. And so would you bless the moms? Would you pour out your spirit upon them? Would you give them strength and grace and peace? May they sense your great love today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.